The following podcast is an excerpt from the book Now I've Got You, available on Amazon as an ebook, paperback, and audiobook. Addiction. An addictive substance is a non essential element, meaning it is not necessary to maintain or sustain life. These chemicals can impact the nervous system by producing a sensation of satisfaction as it creates the desire or craving and need, physiological dependency, for more of the element. Using the element repeatedly will result in a changed nervous system that now defines the element as being necessary for life, as necessary as oxygen, food, water, shelter, and relationships. Eventually, the value of this element surpasses all the other ingredients and the addicted individual will be willing to sacrifice any of the other elements to get more of the addictive substance. The Merriam-Webster definition of addiction is the compulsive need for and use of a habit-forming substance characterized by tolerance and by well-defined physiological symptoms upon withdrawal broadly persistent compulsive use of a substance known by the user to be harmful. Addiction is a strong memory in the reward pathway of the brain. To understand this memory, we need to understand epigenetics. Genetics is the DNA that we inherit, accounting for our hair color, eye color, etc. Epigenetics is how individual segments of DNA get expressed in a cell. Every cell has the same DNA, but through epigenetics it performs different functions. Because of epigenetics, a muscle cell is different than a kidney cell. Epigenetics allows our nervous system to remain adaptable and learn new things. Memory is an epigenetic structural change in the DNA in the neurons in your brain. Let's take a look at how epigenetics works in memory formation and then in the development of an addiction. A stimulus causes a release of powerful neurotransmitters that directly impact the DNA in the neurons in various ways that will eventually result in the formation of a memory. Triggered neuroplasty is the process of stimulus-induced change. Triggered neuroplasty is the ability of the neurons to change or adjust because of stimuli. Without neuroplasticity, we would not be able to learn or develop new memories, or as we shall see, develop an addiction. The most common process in triggered neuroplasty is DNA methylation. DNA methylation leads to DNA exposure. This change in the DNA is similar to the impact a cancer-causing chemical has on a cell that results in it becoming cancer. DNA methylation prepares the cell to change its structure and function. Also occurring is a process called post-translational modifications of histones that allows the tightly coiled DNA to uncoil and expose areas of DNA that can then be modified. The DNA is now no longer a tightly coiled bundle of DNA. 
the cell structure and function continue to change through modifications of non-coding RNAs that remodel chromatin and facilitate or suppress gene expression. The cell changes and protein manufacture can be turned on or turned off. The neuron has now changed both its structure and its function. Now you have a newly formed memory. Let's take a closer look at this process in the context of something we can all relate to the development of different levels or types of memory. Short-term memory formation is the result of a minimal stimulus. This kind of memory extinguishes quickly. For example, what do you remember about last Wednesday? It was not long ago. The chances are that unless it was a special day, you do not remember much. You might remember if it was your birthday or anniversary, but if it was not, the details are long gone. If you increase the stimulus, the memory will last longer. This type of memory formation is the effect when cramming for exams or with the memory of significant historical events such as the assassination of President Kennedy or the first moon landing. What do you remember about September 11, 2001? Do you remember that it occurred on a Tuesday? Do you remember where you were? Do you remember what you did that morning or what you had for breakfast? If you increase the stimulus even more, the memory will last even longer, to the degree it might have a lasting, lifelong impression. The event changes you. You may also act differently or interpret the world differently because of this overwhelming stimulus-caused memory. What do you remember about what happened in Boston on April 15, 2013? We most likely share very different memories of this day. On this cold, windy day on Boylston Street, my wife and I were standing across the street from the second bomb at the Boston Marathon. I can remember a lot about that day. I can easily relive that moment from what I had for breakfast to the sensation of the cup of hot chocolate in my left hand as we experienced the explosion across the street. The overwhelming stimulus changed me. This level of stimulus causes a profound type of memory that may result in post-traumatic stress disorder. This process of DNA unfolding and changing both its structure and function is how different degrees of memories are formed and stored. Addiction develops similarly except the area of the brain being affected is the reward pathway of the limbic system, and the magnitude of the stimulus caused by drugs of addiction is more overwhelming than the stimuli that result in the formation of a profound memory. The structural and functional changes in the reward pathway of the brain have been confirmed with several medical studies. A study on the effects of cocaine on the brains of rats showed that there were 17 DNA changes in six brain areas. A study on heroin addicts that had been in confirmed recovery for over nine years showed ongoing significant functional MRI changes when exposed to auditory or visual drug-using stimuli. A study where subjects were given morphine 50 milligrams daily for 30 days and then followed with monthly functional MRIs 
showed that the changes in the brain function that occurred because of the morphine exposure did not improve six months after the completion of the study. Changes in these areas of the brain have a prolonged and dramatic effect. Some of these changes may be permanent. Chemicals that can cause addiction present an overwhelming stimulus to the neuron. This stimulus changes the DNA in the neuron. The stimuli cause a flood of dopamine from the nucleus accumbens that sends messages to parts of the brain saying, this is good and necessary. The experience or feeling is something to be desired. You now have a powerful memory of desire and craving. The impact of the stimulus in the hippocampus enhances the memory of the reward experience. It reinforces the memory that, this is something I do not want to forget. I should remember as much about this reward as possible, where I got it, who I got it from, the people I used it with, the room I used it in, and on and on. The impact on the amygdala is an emotional one. It produces a feeling of security, confidence, and peace. A level of completeness never experienced before drug exposure. The impact on the prefrontal cortex is to assign a high level of value to this experience. Nothing else compares to this experience, and now the addicted individual is willing to pay whatever it may cost to maintain this feeling. As previously described, different levels of stimulus cause different permanence of memory. Varying degrees of activation of the reward system results in varying levels of form desire. A low-level reward stimulus results in a preference. I like puppies better than kittens is an example of preference. But I don't want to pay for that puppy or pay to take care of it for the next 17 years. I am free to make rational choices. Preferences can easily be changed, especially if you have an issue with your preference or a better preference presents itself. Wait until that puppy chews your favorite shoes. Increase the stimulus in the reward pathway and you get what we call a desire. A desire comes from a felt need for a sense of completeness. This desire area is the realm of the advertising industry. If I can link your felt desire with a product that I sell, then the sale is easy. If I can sell you the fantasy that a new Lamborghini can give you a sense of contentment or acceptance, then you just bought a new Lamborghini. Unfortunately, the romance quickly fades with the first scratch, the thousand dollar oil change, the eventual awakening to the reality that the illusion did not bring the contentment or sense of well-being it promised. But we still keep searching and buying. If you increase the stimulus even more, you have an overwhelming stimulus. This overwhelming stimulus requires significant brain changes to accommodate, and you end up with an addiction. You are now past minor preference and desire into the world of intense craving. The chemical has effectively hijacked your neurons. Your brain is telling you that you may die if you do not get the substance that produced the stimulus. Stimulus caused alteration in the function and structure of brain DNA is the disease of addiction. 
These addictive elements work in several different ways. They can mimic a natural neurotransmitter and activate a nerve cell directly. They can cause an increased release of a natural neurotransmitter. They can cause a delay in the removal of a natural neurotransmitter, or they can attach to a receptor and block the action of a neurotransmitter. What they all share in common is that to varying degrees, they all cause an increase in dopamine activity in the nucleus accumbens part of the brain. This release of dopamine labels the element as a reward and facilitates memory of the environment associated with that reward. These characteristics are all shared by the following addictive items. Sugar, caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, marijuana, opioids, cocaine, ecstasy, kratom, and methamphetamine. Why is it so hard to quit? The brain is a delicate organ designed to function with high speed while maintaining a precise balance. If there's just a little too much glutamate release, the cell dies. If too little is released, normal mental function is not possible. Each addiction has its specific neurological and physiological effects, both during the use of the substance and during abstinence. The alcoholic gets anxious, the narcotic user experiences pain, the tobacco user cannot concentrate. Each of these highly unpleasant symptoms can be enough to encourage continued use, yet there is still another layer of anguish shared by all addictions. To varying degrees, all addictions cause issue with regulation of glutamate in the nucleus accumbens. The normal function of glutamate in the nucleus accumbens involves the release of glutamate with rapid activation of the next cell and then prompt removal of the glutamate by excitatory amino acid transporter 2. If the glutamate is not cleared rapidly, it can overexcite the cell, causing its death. All addictive compounds decrease the effectiveness of glutamate on the cell membrane and reduce the activity of the excitatory amino acid transporter 2. During times of abstinence, this regulation becomes very unstable, causing a sense of severe anxiety, stress, sleep disturbance, profound fatigue, poor memory function, and even cell death. Abstinence feels like impending death. The loss of control over mental functions feels like one is losing their mind. The brain, its delicate balance, and proper function is now the prisoner of the compound. Now I've got you. Choosing to consume a known toxic chemical feels like life, when, in reality, it is movement towards a premature death. Living life with addiction is like trying to swim with lead weights on your ankles. Don't get addicted to anything, and if you are addicted, get help immediately. Your life depends on it.